Hello and welcome to the Rock Report Lasses podcast in association with Sunland Community Soup Kitchen and Her Game 2, the campaign against sexism and misogyny in football. My name is Rich and as science by Big Fat Big fades away, I'm going to tell you about the really interesting podcast that we've got coming up ahead of Sunderland's trip to Southampton on Sunday, which you can watch on the FA Player live if you're unable to get down to St Mary Stadium for it. We're going to speak to Jude from the All Saints podcast, the Southampton Women's FC podcast. And before that, though, we've got a fantastic exclusive interview with Sunderland AFC Women's brand new full-time assistant head coach, Steph Libby. So let's hear from Steph right now. Thanks for joining us this afternoon, Steph. You're very welcome. I'm I'm looking forward to to sharing what's going on within the club and, you know, some of the news that hopefully we we can share and celebrate together brilliant it has been a, a a big week for you really and with the announcement that you've gone full-time my first question was like obviously you you're a coach you've been coaching in women's football for a, a good while now why do you love coaching so much because you know there's lots of people out there listening who will be coaches or do little bits of coaching themselves and then how difficult was it for you to take that decision to kind of leave teaching and go kind of full-time first and foremost there's a love of the game that's kind of deep rooted since I can remember I, I was going to watch my dad play and then, you know, joined a boys team as as everybody did back in the day and, and fell in love with the game in that sense. And then throughout my time playing and also through my coaching, I've always had kind of leadership roles. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of then steered me towards the coaching. Um, and those organisations have, have also helped nurture me to want to do more. And, you know, from that, I took that step into coaching when I was really young. I, I was 17 when I first started on that journey. And, you know, for a good number of years now, I've been learning my craft, kind of doing it grassroots right from the from the get-go, then into kind of centre of excellence football, into um, the development league within the WSL when that first started. And then in the past five to six years within the championship. And, you know, I love it. I don't think there's a better feeling than seeing something that you've been working on come to fruition, really, whether that be links to the game or links to people, you know, the, the game plan coming off or player development or those connections with people that you haven't seen in years that remember the things that you did for them and, and there's no better feeling than that as a coach. And to answer the second question, I think change is always difficult. Um, I don't think that comes easy to anybody. And if I might be wrong in thinking that, some people might love it, but a lot of people I know don't. But for a long time, I've had to divide my energies a lot with teaching and, and football. And now feels right to devote my time to to one. Wasn't always going to be football. I'm not going to lie. Um, I think I'm really passionate about football within the northeast and this project and being the best I can be for Sunderland Football Club. And that comes from the top. And if if we're wanting players to believe that, I think we've got to leave that from the front. And and that's why that decision when it was put to me was was the right one to make. So that's really encouraging it does bring us on to like the second question i got really which is about that i guess the project that you just mentioned and and that ambition and and what your kind of short-term ambitions are and your long-term ambitions i guess for the club and and that project that was sold to you because it must have been sold to you to leave a really good career that that you had in teaching or leave it for now yeah i think that's you alluded to it i, I can always go back if I want to, and, I, and I've I've come from a a trust, you know, a multi multi academy trust that I've got really good connections with people and and some of the leaders there mm-hmm. that have always said that I'm, I'm welcome back with open arms, so I know that's there. And the risk then is is kind of alleviated in in some form, but there is always an element of risk. Um, but yeah, the short term I think for me is is on the pitch to find that rhythm, um, to make an impact within the league and to be a really strong championship team. Um, off the pitch, the community engagement and, and making strong partnerships and, and supporting the really good pathway that we clearly have at Sunderland. And the yeah. long term is, is is what kind of brought me here in the first place, if I'm honest, when I had the initial conversations with Mel, is to grow at the same rate as the men, um, that both teams are, are teams that the fans and, and the area can be really proud of and, and increasing our attendances through that and, and making Eppleton somewhere that, people want to come and have a really good experience yeah i mean that's really it's really good that you've got those kind of 
both on the pitch and off the pitch ambitions because if people like yourself it's the coaches really who who make that and who set that tone and i think that's that's really um really interesting um and obviously you came from durham brilliant brilliant club just up the road our rivals but kind of half friendly rivals but i was wondering are there any other clubs out there in england or elsewhere really that you and the coaching staff and maybe the rest of the club look at and think yeah we want to learn the lessons and kind of follow that kind of path and what are the kind of things that you might you look elsewhere and 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 notice and want to learn from them we're our own we're our own brand and we want our own style and our own identity and that links with some of the values that go behind the club that have been built from the top the bold creative and industrious side of the football club and the history that mm-hmm. then that comes from you know we, we can take a lot from those that are in this building and i'm really excited to to come in full time and, and and to call this my place of work full time now the experience and the specialists that are part of this football club and the different domains that i know alex has mentioned previously and and now we're fully integrated into the academy. We have these world-class facilities that we've got people that we can tap into and, and things such as the Okaloo and Sam, he supports our individual development programmes, nutrition, analysis, data. There's so much support here that, you know, that one club, our club uh, mantra is, is, is very visible. We're also being really mm-hmm. lucky, me and Mel, that we've been able to learn from others and, and other sports as we've been part of the Coaching Excellence Initiative run by the FA for the past two years, which came about from the professionalism within the game and the rapid growth that we're seeing. Um, the groups consisted of female and male coaches within the women's pro game with club and international backgrounds to support the creation of high-performance environments and cultures. And that's something that we're really passionate about here and hopefully that will set us aside from others. Mm-hmm. Within the programme, we've had the chance to focus on the football, building networks with good people and looking at the importance of keeping in touch with the current trends, the challenges that we face within the game, the styles of play, because the game is the same, but men's and women's football is also very different. And there's a uniqueness to the women's game that we need to try and foster and and, and keep as we continue on this upward trajectory. Through the programme, we've also been privileged to go to different sports at elite level, such as Olympic teams, and tap into some of the good practice that we see there and that we can transfer into our environment as you know we're trying to ensure that we are the best we can be to perform at this level and, and beyond so yeah so you're creating that high performance environment which is is really good to hear and and certainly you know obviously the the whole club being behind the lasses is is brilliant it's what i think fans have wanted to see for for many years and to see it coming into fruition over the last couple of seasons has been amazing but obviously this season it's more competitive than ever in the championship. It hasn't necessarily all gone our way, but there have been some really good things. So what what's pleased you most about the season so far? I think we've always been in games. The win against Palace was obviously a highlight. Mm. Everything we thought would happen in that game happened. So that was a big positive. And, and we're trying to build on that each week. We know the challenges we're up against, but the one thing that we've had last year and this year is the togetherness within the group. And, you know, mm-hmm. we stick together. And, and we're on to the next challenge already for this weekend. And, you know, we've had some really good passages of play. We've just got to find that that consistency and that rhythm that I spoke about to then impact the league in higher up than where we are currently. Because that's where we want to be. We want to improve. And that's what we aim to do and be the best that we can be each week. And obviously we've not scored in four out of our seven games this season. I think last season as well, scoring was, was a challenge, which it is at this level where the defences are really really good but Mel spoke about struggling to get up the pitch against London City who you know we, we've seen over the last couple of seasons just a very strong team but is this currently like a focus for you in training and preparation and trying to create more and, and be stronger in the final third? Yeah I think it always is I think ultimately the game is to stop one team scoring on one end and to score more than the other you know but if you look at the teams that we haven't scored against I'm talking about Liverpool, who it was a 1 0. You know, last night they put loads past Leicester. You're talking about Bristol, who again, Palace conceded more than us. We were very much in that game and we had a couple of chances that, yeah, we should do better with. Same with London City. It's a deflected goal that kind of changes the game a little bit. We've had a good chance in the first half that we don't put away from a set piece. And, you know, the Birmingham game, I'd rather not remember in some aspects but again we've had a chance in the first half that could have levelled it and that change goals change games and I think we've not really had that mm-hmm. look or that that little bit of this 
decisive ness within the final third, but every week we incorporate ways in which we can score against the opposition. We look at that really in depth and you know, I think the week before in Palace, you know, London City and Palace play very similarly. And last week mm-hmm. against Palace, some of the things came off, those passes found their ways in the final third and against London City they didn't and you know, we've just got to then go and analyse that and, and go and be better the next time and, and that's what we're hoping to do. Sometimes it depends what the opposition are doing as well. Ultimately, they're going to do everything in their power to stop you and we've got to find ways and, and we're going to try and unlock them and we'll keep doing that and you know, it's it's something the girls have been working really hard on and we'll continue to do. And obviously, there's always two teams on the pitch, isn't there? And there's always, you know, the opposition are trying as hard as we are to win. I think the the majority of the clubs in the Women's Championship are now uh, full-time uh, squads, just yeah. about. And we've played most of them already this season. Um, and we're, come, we're yet to play a, another part-time team, although we've got some coming up. I'm very excited about it. It it must make it more difficult, and we 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 were wondering how difficult it has been for you to compete against more more regularly against teams that are full time this season than say last season. I think we run as close to full time as we can within our means. Mm-hmm. Some some weeks we're in five days out of seven, you know, and wow. players are going to work. So it's it's one of them where you you do as much as you can and. We look at the loading of our sessions. We we analyse opposition, our prep work. We're very meticulous with uh, to best prepare the group as we possibly can. But ultimately, our biggest challenge is recovery, um, and and being ready to go again is is that challenge that the players then have with having to to juggle this with with work. But we manage, and I think we've been competitive both physically, technically, and tactically in all the games that we've been in, and it's been fine margins. And, and ultimately, as a group, we always try and stick together and, and we look at our own behaviours and our own values. And ultimately, the players enjoy that challenge of coming up against full-time opposition. And, and for me, personally, because it's that known challenge, we've got to be using everything that we can within our power. So making things like effort in a fortress of noise. So when we need that extra burst of energy, the players can find it. And, and when we've got the, the opposition against the ropes, as it were, if we talk about the boxing the other week, when they're up against the ropes, let's make sure we punish them and actually that we get ahead and we're ahead more than one so that they, they feel like they can't come back. But yeah, it's going to be a challenge for now, but everyone loves an underdog, don't they? So. Yeah, definitely. And and another challenging thing that we always have to cope with as a club, it seems, um, men's side, women's side, is, is injuries. Um, we've been missing... Captain Kira Ramshaw for the last couple of games and we had Neve with a, a broken nose at the end of last game which everyone was really worried about and kind of a little bit I know it, it it isn't a silver lining but I think I wrote that it was the silver lining for the weekend that the news came out that it was only a broken nose and nothing a bit more serious um, how has it been for you and Mel and the squad coping with some of those injuries and and first of all how's, how's Neve's knows and uh, is she in, any chance she'll be on the bus down to Southampton? Yeah, there's a very high chance. Oh, brilliant. I don't, want to give too, I don't want to give too much away. They're unfortunate parts of the game. You know, it's a contact sport and we yeah. all know what we're going into when we go and play football and, you know, they've been integral to our group last season, this season, along with Faye and Hutchie and, and Abby. Mm-hmm. They're invaluable in everything that we do because we do things collectively as a group and every team has to manage those moments and, and we're, we're doing that and you know, it means others get opportunities and, you know, they've then got to keep the shirt and I think it's just part of the game. You, you, you When you get to that level, you, you just manage the people. That's the bit for me that the people are okay in those moments and, and we get them back mm-hmm. as, as quickly and healthily as possible, really. Yeah, it, it, it is and, and it was, it, 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 it it's good to know that Neve might well be on the on the bus as well and, and obviously we, we hope everyone else is making a a speedy recovery from their knocks and, and longer term injuries as well. This this ACL issue is something I think we're going to look a little bit more deeply into for Rope Report over the next few weeks because it seems to be ubiquitous across the whole game at the minute. So many players um, losing so much time, especially early on in their career. But looking ahead to the weekend trip to Southampton, obviously they've had a storming start the season, a little bit 
similar to how we started last season in, in that sense and coming up and being promoted team and, and really taking the, the league by storm to a certain extent. What do you expect to be the kind of the biggest challenges that Marianne Spacey Kale's side will, will pose you on, on Sunday? I think the journey is the, the challenge to start with. Obviously yeah. we're, we're again <laughs> It's a long way, isn't it? Going the length and breadth of the country. I think we we spoke about it when you were up in France. Yeah. But it's one of them things that actually, you know, when we're together you, you get to learn about people and that social side is, is huge and I'm a really big believer in that. Everywhere I've been, mm-hmm. you know, the connections with people and the relationships you're able to build and that trust can come from those journeys. Um, and we, we spend a lot of time together as a group and, and we have little things that we do to kind of make us closer and, and tighten it. But I think apart from the journey, they've obviously been really organised. You know, she's a very experienced coach with a, a wealth and breadth of knowledge of the game. Now they set up pretty much the same in most games. They've got a threat and but again every team has their weaknesses and you know we hope that we can exploit those and, and the girls can help punish them in the moments that we need to when we haven't been able to in the past few games. But we'll be ready and we're very excited for the next few games that we've got and hopefully we can build that, that momentum and, and rhythm as we go into the Christmas break. Yeah, those journeys, team bus journeys, I think I was told a story last year by Jen O'Neill, she kicks and former Sunderland, about a, a quite legendary trip down to Southampton to play the other Southampton, Southampton Women's Football Club back in the early 90s, which... Uh, was uh, somewhat of a party that, that the, the original Sunderland, Sunderland FC women's team had. But and just one kind of final question for you. Obviously, one of the big changes at the club in the last few months, really, is the establishment of the, the under-23 squad. And it's something that my colleagues here at Rokeby Port have been following really closely and attending games and been really, really impressed by some of the, the players on shore there. What do you think about that kind of great start that they've had to their Durham County League? And are there any players in that squad that you've, you and Mel have identified as potentially going to be able to make that step up this year or, or, or in coming years? I think first and foremost, the, the setting up of that team is, is vital to everything that we do moving forward mm-hmm. and, and the growth that we want to sustain ourselves within the championship and beyond. So setting that up in the first place has is, is been massive and I've, I've really enjoyed being a part of that process and the people that we've brought in have been great. They're obviously performing very well at the moment in their first competitive season as a team. Um, there's still a lot of work to do. You know, it's nowhere near the final product, but... You know, we're always monitoring their progress and you know we've got some of the players in the training with us at, in times and you know Mel's always a big believer of giving people opportunities and if those opportunities arise then hopefully the girls will take them. It is an exciting time for the club. It's going to be a, a, a fun few weeks uh, in November and, and December. After we've played Southampton we've got some very very winnable games at Blackburn and and Coventry uh, and and Lewis as well and so um, we wish you the very best luck in the upcoming period. Um, have you got training tonight? Yes, yes. In about we'll kick off in an hour with analysis and then in for the session. Brilliant. Well, yeah. Thanks for your time. Thank you very much, Rich. And it's really great to hear from Steph Libby there. Um, some really interesting answers to the questions set by the Rook Report team. Great to hear that that Neve Heron may well be on the bus this weekend. So obviously down at Southampton, they've got a good fan base and a good record of women's football at the minute. And we were delighted to be joined for the second part of this podcast by Jude from the All Saints podcast. And here is the conversation that I recorded with her earlier this week. You must be really pleased with like the amazing start to the FA Women's Championship season that Southampton FC women have had. I say that very carefully because obviously the Southampton Women's FC as well, which I we, we can talk about. But uh, how, how's how's the start of the season anyway? I think I think yeah, I think we're doing all right. Um, it's it's quite interesting to hear you say that it's going really well. No one else has said that to us. I think um, a lot of other people are like, oh, you know, you're new up and you're, 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 it's not going to keep on lasting. Yeah, it's, it's quite nice seeing this kind of creep up the table. I'm not going to lie. Considering also that it's like a totally new league and every mm-hmm. game is, it's difficult. 
you know, you can see the girls really kind of giving their all and, and, it, and it's tough out there. But yeah, I think we're doing okay at the moment. When I was previewing the season, I just pulled up the article I wrote for Rope Report and said that it should be a big leap up in quality as a promoted side with their full-time professional team with Premier League money in the background and Premier League facilities. They made it to Tier 2 the hard way through the National League playoff and have signed league legend Katie Wilkinson from Ealing Coventry United. I expect them to do more than consolidate. They're the dark horses of this division. They could shock some of the big names and established sides. So um, probably should put some money on it, really, because the <laughs> results have been, I think, been like really, really impressive. I think going away to did you go away to Bristol City and came yeah, away with the draw? Did. Yeah, I mean, that's, yeah. That's, that's that's an amazing achievement. Yeah, yeah. Um, they won't have it, but yeah, it is. <laughs> I, I'm quite impressed with that. Oh, because that that does that count as a rivalry? No, with Bristol City. Nah, 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 no. No, <laughs> there is only one rivalry in this um in this town. That is Portsmouth. It will always be Portsmouth. There is no other. I mean, Bournemouth try, but nah, we're not having it. <laughs> yeah, we're a bit the same with Borough. Yeah, I bet. They, they, they think us as their rivals. We, we really don't care about them. No, I bet it's all about magpies for you, is it? Yeah. yeah. Although not in women's football, really. It's Durham. Really? Yes. Yeah. I think they're. I think they're another dark horse as well, or not dark horse because they're not the unknown. They're looking pretty good, I think, as well. I don't know what you think on that one. They've had a bit of a tough start to the season, really. Um, obviously they had us first up, and we and we managed to get a draw. Yeah. They're not been doing amazingly. Uh, they were, I think, expecting to do much better, but they've gone professional this season, and we've picked up some of their players who didn't want to go pro. Oh right. That's the thing I wanted to talk to you about, really, is how much do you think that the the kind of the professional setup that Southampton have got sits behind your very competitive start to the season in terms of being able to cope with the, the likes of Bristol City, etc. I do know from talking to the goalkeeper's mum that they were coming home from the first week of training of the start of the new season or, you know, in pre-season that they were coming in home knackered, literally coming home, scoffing something and then falling into bed and then going again the next day. So <laughs> I think it was a bit of a shock to begin with. I think it's starting to bear fruit though. Mm-hmm. Saying that though, I think the first two games, we, the team themselves were sort of suffering from, we're in a new league and we've got to respect these guys. And that was impeding them. They, we weren't playing our game. And I, I think the turnaround was definitely the Lewis game where we came out and we got the two goals to draw the game. And since then, we've kind of been a lot better at how we've been playing, I think. Some of the results have been great, haven't they? Yeah. I mean, you've got, what, three wins so far out of six? Is that right? Yeah, three wins. Uh, Crystal Palace, Sheffield and Birmingham. Yeah. When you kind of sort of say it like that, it's like, oh, actually, it's not too bad, is it? From our from our point of view, and I know this is going to sound really crazy, yeah, we're just enjoying the journey. We're not, we haven't set any, for the fans, this is, we haven't set any expectations. But I know what the club's ambitions are, and um, they'll be happy. <laughs> they'll be really happy with how it started, I would say. That's good to hear. I mean, we had a similar start last season when we were the newly promoted side. Yep. I think we had a bit of a flying start. We won our first two games and then kind of reality hit. But you've got some really good players in the side. Obviously, you signed Katie Wilkinson. She's not scored for you yet, has she? She hasn't, no. But you do feel that when she gets one, she'll kind of, the floodgates will open. But her hold-up play is amazing. Yeah, she should have scored against Birmingham last week. But um, yeah, it's coming. She's getting closer. She's getting closer. Yeah, we, as you pointed out in your pod um, this week, we're not prolific. It has been 1-0 wins, which has been great. Or we've been, you know, scored the goal against Bristol to get that draw. Yeah, we, we need we need some more goals in the side. I'd agree with that. But at the same time, it does show that we can score and then hold on to a lead. So I'm, I'm not going to argue there. Definitely. I mean, a 1-0 win is, is three points, the same as a, exactly. as a, as a 3 0 and you've got you've got some exciting young players as well. I mean, the player who stood out when I was just looking through your squad was was Lucia Kendall, um, yeah, who who has scored for you this season. She has. She's only only eighteen, is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lucia, she was a bit of a um, well, she is our star girl. She was brilliant last season. I think 
she didn't quite get top scorer. That went to Ella Pusey, but she was um, up there. Yeah, she's brilliant. She can kind of play anywhere on the park as well, so you just don't know when Marianne sets the team up. But she's just come back from injury, which is why you haven't really we haven't really seen her much this season already. She got 20 minutes against Birmingham and then got 45 on Sunday against Sheffield. And on Sunday, you could see that she was a little bit off the pace. She was a little bit um, not match fit. So um, we'll see what happens on Sunday with you guys as to whether she'll start. But even if she even if she comes on and um in, as a sub she'll be she'll add something at some point she's capable we've also got the likes of Millie Mott who's on the right hand side uh she's brilliant she's a little pop um power box she can run down the wing um she's great at clearing on the line as well and then there's Megan Collette on the other side who is only seventeen uh she literally I think she only just turned seventeen at the start of the season sorry that's Doug does like to make <laughs> himself known. And we've also got Ella Morris, who she's just turned 20. And she's the one who provided the assist on, on Sunday. And she also scored the first goal in the championship against... Sorry. Dougie. Oh, no, we're, we're used to having dogs on, on Roker Report. Oh, yeah, brilliant. Uh, dogs on Roker Report is almost a meme, really. <laughs> our editor, Gav... His his dogs are constantly featuring on on our, on our podcasts, and, <laughs> oh, my, and my little my little one Roker is just climbing up to come and say hello to us now as well. Oh, is that what you call him? It's just Roker. Yeah, he's called Roker. Oh, brilliant! Yeah. Love it. <laughs> Which when he's running on the beach when we go up to Sunderland is quite funny because we're at Roker and we're shouting Roker, and it's like a little bit weird. So, but anyway, so what, so what is Roker then? He's 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 a jackapoo. He's a jackapoo with an itch at the minute, so oh, yeah, we're going to have to get that seen too. Bless you. Definitely. So you've got these these youngsters, yeah. and obviously Southampton are almost renowned as a football yeah. club for developing young footballers. Is that kind of that developmental model something that is carried over into the women's setup? Because the women's setup's really new, isn't it? It's like 2017-18, is it? Yeah, so we're five years old. We've come up from Tier 7 all the way through the Hampshire Leagues, all the way through the uh, National Leagues. And up until last season, we'd only lost one game, which was against Ipswich at home, which happened back in November 21. And uh, it was like the turning point. The girls just didn't want to feel that again. And it kind of kick-started the rest of the season. Well, not kick-started the rest of the season. It just carried us until the playoff where we beat Wolves. That must have been fantastic. I mean, that was the same day that Sunderland men got promoted out of League One. Yes, I remember. We were at Wembley when you were at Stockport, yeah, is it? Stockport. A little bit different in the venues, but you know. <laughs> yeah, but the same, I guess the same feeling. You must have been absolutely made up, especially having, you know, the, the squad having come up through the tiers almost organically, obviously, with the, the support of a, a professional men's club behind but that that must have been a real a real celebration. Oh, it was fantastic. I lost my voice. Um, I had to go to Leicester <laughs> the next day and I did a radio interview for Wessex Radio and um, they could barely hear me, but I managed it. <laughs> I didn't get it back until like the, the Saturday after, I don't think. So yeah, a week of no voice, but worth it. Absolutely worth it. They were brilliant. They were absolutely fantastic. We had, um, yeah, we had a great time and the goal that was scored was just a peach. And that's another player who we haven't even seen this season yet. She's been out injured. Sophia Vara. Yeah, mm -hmm. not sure when she's back, but yeah, hopefully, hopefully she'll be back soon. But yeah, yeah, we definitely are looking to the to the development side. We've got players coming through at the moment. The dev team are currently top of their table. Um, they've beaten everybody, and not just by like one goal. It's been by five goals, four goals, ten goals. Yeah, crazy stuff that they're doing. Yeah. Oh, and at the moment, actually, you can um, watch a documentary on CBBC at 5.30 or even oh, on right. iPlayer. Um, it's about the Football Academy and it's centred on Southampton. Yeah, so have a little watch of that and you'll see kind of what's going on at Southampton. That's brilliant. And the uh, the setup there, from all, from all accounts, from the people I know in and around women's football, the setup behind the scenes mm -hmm. at Southampton seems to be really, really professional. A large amount of people involved supporting Marianne Spacey Kale. Is that do you think that's kind of the underlying reason behind the, the meteoric rise is just the resources that um Southampton FC have put in? Um 
they've gone for it. We've they've definitely gone for it. I mean, in mm-hmm. in the first season, for the first three seasons, it was a million a year that they were putting into it. Wow. Now, obviously, a, a lot of that went on Marianne, or not a lot, but you know what I mean. Her, her obviously, her um, salary came into it. We've got our general manager Martina. We've got Laura Bowen, who is the sports scientist and physio who looks after the girls. Uh, we've got a quality mm-hmm. um, goalkeeping coach in Will Britt and. Lauren Phillips um, is our assistant manager who has been with Arsenal and I think West Ham. Yeah, she's phenomenal as well. Yeah, I'd say definitely say that Marianne's had a, a, a brilliant team around her and it's not it's not just Marianne, but Marianne's got such a drive. She really has. I cheekily asked her in at the Vans Forum, you know, if she had her ideas about going and managing the England. She's like, no, I'm I'm fully, fully, fully on board to get this team where it needs to be. So it's like, whoa, okay. Yeah. Um, exciting. She's got great pedigree, obviously, is she really does. Old caps, then she was in I think she was with Fulham and was um in in the Arsenal setup and then yep. was Mark Sampson's assistant as well. So you've got you've got probably one of the, the top rated coaches in the country who who and how long has she been with you now? So she joined us in twenty eighteen. So she's been with us for four years. Right, so she's come all the way yeah. through. Oh yeah, yeah. Wow. She, she, they, the um, Southampton had a plan, and she was integral to that. And she's been the driving force. I mean, not just her, obviously, but you know, she's been allowed to grow the sides, grow the team, grow the development, how they play. Yeah, we're playing to her tune, but she's wanting it. It's this is her plan, and at the moment, it's going okay. <laughs> it's amazing to hear, really, and and. Touched on it at the beginning, really, but like Southampton, as a as a city, mm-hmm. has got a, a a much longer history in women's football, going back right to when the ban was lifted. Obviously, Southampton Women's FC set up by yeah. by your fans. Um, it's a National League South Division One. Is that right? They play. Yeah, they are now. Yeah, and obviously, eight times FA yeah. Cup winners in the seventies and eighties. So there's. That big pedigree, and I remember talking to Jen O'Neill from She Kicks when she played for Sunderland, their their biggest game when she was a a youngster was getting drawn against Southampton in the (laughs) FA Cup and going down on the bus in in the kind of the the early 90s uh, when we were starting out. And and obviously you had the Euros at St Mary's. In the summer, yeah. Must have been amazing as well. So do you think like that, that... background and that pedigree has also been kind of part of why Southampton being so successful including like I mean your crowds are like brilliant even compared to to ourselves getting probably 50% more people through the gates than, than we do so is that kind of hinterland in the city is that actually an important part of the whole setup and the whole way that Southampton FC women have managed to come through see when we started last season we had about 200 300 audience wow yeah so it, it grew through the, it definitely grew through the season uh i think the biggest crowd we had we had about 1800 for the ipswich game but that mm-hmm. was that was like a family day so it kind of brought more in and then we lost so it was like oh shucks <laughs> <laughs> you know we were hoping to have those people come back and uh but that's that was fine because we were still playing at, at totten and i think our last game at totten when we played oxford we got over 500 which was pretty good then we played, um, we did play Pompey as second game that we played at St Mary's last year, and obviously it's Pompey. And then we got we got like five thousand five hundred, wow. yeah, which was really good. And we also won the league that night, so I, I think that really did help. They they definitely chose the best games to play at St Mary's. When we played Bristol back in January, we got three thousand three hundred. Our starting gate this year was two thousand four hundred and forty, which was really good at St Mary's. Then we played Birmingham Totten again, and that was a thousand. And I think we could have been more that night if we had allowed people to pay on the gate to turn up. But because we'd sold so many um, season tickets, and because Totten can't hold that many, they kind of said it was a sellout when we actually got a thousand and twenty-four. It'll be interesting to see what we get on. Sunday. Obviously, the fact that we've had such a good start hopefully should entice people to come in. I know there's a lot of people are going, oh, yeah, yeah, no, I'm going to come along. I'm looking forward to it. Definitely the Euros helped. I know people who 
I didn't even like know liked football and they bought a season ticket. I'm really proud of the club for latching onto it and um, just saying, right, okay, your home games, you are Southampton, you are part of this club, you are our first team, the matches are going to be played at St Mary's. I think I think hats off to them. It's tricky because obviously we were like a 32,000 st- um, seater stadium um, and only having one side um, open. Um, yeah, it, it would be great if we could if we could build on that 2,400 from the first game. Definitely. Oh, it's still that's way above our record attendance, um, whether at Stadium of Light or or at Ebbleton. So how how are you doing? Well, we had 770. Last Sunday at Eppleton, uh, and Eppleton is a it's a non-league football ground. Yeah. To be frank, um, so you know it's not you, you know the facilities there are not are not amazing. You're talking about going inside the the sports centre to get some chips and that's the <laughs> catering, and and there's a lot of standing, and, and it's it's not the most accessible place. It's on the outskirts of the city, okay. So it's not right in the middle of town. So you know, there's lots of reasons why we don't get a, a great attendance. But then when we did the did a double header at the stadium of light, where um, yeah, I saw that where obviously Sunderland played Norwich. There was thirty nine thousand um the men for the men's. There was yeah. thirty nine thousand then. There was seven eight hundred left in the ground a couple of hours later when the when the women played. It was absolutely gutting. And you know our general manager Alex, we spoke to him and he and he admitted that they, they didn't get that didn't get that right. But our crowds have not built in as yours have, and uh, you know there's lots of reasons behind it as well. There's a lot of people who switched off after Sunderland were demoted out of the WSL. That kind of the abandonment by both the the FA and the owners of the club at that point. There were lots of people who'd loyally stuck with them for for many years. Oh really? And, yeah, and and then obviously we were. We demoted, and along with Yeovil, and then obviously Tottenham and Man United were put into the USL structures um, without necessarily having uh, gained gained that through football in merit. Um, It was a financial thing. And yeah, we we had to fight our way back up from the the National Leagues like yourself. We didn't go through the playoff. uh, It was done because it was... It was through COVID, so we had two cancelled COVID seasons. Yeah. What they did was, with ourselves and Watford, we had the best record over the two years that were cancelled, and our applications were the ones that the WSL took. But they were were kind of on merit, but obviously it's two reasonably big men's professional teams behind them um, who who did commit the, the... the resources at that point and, yep. and from there we've been building really um we're building now some of the infrastructure that sounds like that you've got yeah um in terms of just recruiting a, a special school keeping coach our manager and now assistant manager steph who who we heard from earlier on this pod uh are, are now both full-time even though the players are still part-time and training on an evening We've got we're they're bringing in more people to run the commercial and the marketing side as well. So hopefully, with all of that in place, we'll be able to kind of catch up with some of the stuff you've got going on out Southampton. And if any of our fans do come down to St Mary's on on Sunday, there's some special stuff planned, isn't there? There is. We've got the Euros trophy. Amazing. I, I cheekily put out a tweet to um, Jill Scott. You know. We're playing her team. Well, Get her down yeah, but I think she's. I think she's going to be in Australia because the jungle starts very, very <sighs> soon. She's a, an. I'm a oh, celebrity. Oh, is she? Is she? Yeah. Oh, uh, okay. I'll let her off then. <laughs> yeah, that, I, don't, I mean, I don't watch um, it, but I might this time. I might just watch yeah, it because you yeah. know she's going to win. She'll be the most competitive person. She will do anything. She will eat whatever kangaroos, gonads. Oh, are absolutely. In front of her, absolutely. I'm sure. And she's an absolute character, isn't she? She's brilliant. Yeah, 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 yeah. She is absolutely fantastic. She's a great lady. Yeah, I um, yeah, it made me might make me watch as well. Actually, <laughs> yeah, watch this space. I don't normally. I, I'm not into my reality no, TV and that kind of me. thing. What else are we doing? Oh yeah, we've got loads of kids things going on. Um, we always do. We've got a new DJ apparently. That could be interesting. Oh, cool. I hope he's good though because um. We've had the likes of Chelsea and so Chelsea in ha- at halftime they they were playing things like money money money. <laughs> when we when we have Man United it's a load of Oasis songs. Um, when we've oh who else it was really funny oh um, when we had West Ham it was about um, oh, love cats it was just all about cats 
yeah, just just yeah, we we take the we take the absolute mick when it comes to halftime with whoever's who we're playing. Oh, and um, when we've had Tottenham, we play every single version of Oh When the Saints. It's hilarious. Oh yeah, of course, because because it's awesome. They, they, they've nicked that one, haven't they? Well, we... who's heard of our, um, Oh When the Spurs? <laughs> so if they if they want some music recommendations, I'm sure uh, we could put some that. It's there we It's such a dirt. We've uh, got our, our theme music's by Big Fat Big, who are a, a up and coming Sunderland band. So uh, maybe maybe they'll maybe oh, wow. look at that as well. No, they're really really good and uh, um, big football fans as well. And they were down at Appleton earlier in the season for for one of our games, uh, just awesome. just cheering us on as well. Really talented young women. Oh, brilliant! That's what you and need. Obviously, we've got Kanicki and all that, you know, and. Um, Frankie and the Heartstrings. Obviously, Frankie is is the club's podcast presenter. So a lot big big links with the the Sunderland music scene uh, at Sunderland as well. So lots lots of options there for your DJ. Okay. But I love that idea that they make it uh, like a family day, and that's one thing we wanted for that double header. Yeah. I mean, when when we were talking about it, I bet we said on our space, we said on our podcast, what they need to do is keep people at the ground, have stuff going on after the game, have you know. You know, um, football games yeah. and yeah. food deals and drink deals and whatever. In the and unfortunately, yeah. I think um, the the task was just a little bit, a little bit much. And and I think our club could probably learn from Southampton. And and this is the the, the thing I picked up from your your podcast that I listened to um, earlier this week was that the 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 atmosphere at your Totten ground seems to be one of the major plus points from playing there from what you know do the do the women's players enjoy the atmosphere at Tottenham more than maybe the kind of the reverberation around the big uh, big stage at St Mary's um yeah we're we're trying really hard to come up with new chants and songs for them um which they a lot of them are embarrassed about but hey it's got to be done um, I definitely think that we've we as supporters we need more people to join in, bring that noise. Um, there's there's like a at the moment there's about twenty of us who probably sing, um, and so therefore when you're at Totten you can have you can dot yourselves around the ground and therefore you can get going, you can start singing, and you'll have other people on the other side and they'll sing as well. So it feels like it's um, a better atmosphere in that regard. Um, but we've kind of made ourselves known when we've been to other grounds this this season um and it's weird isn't it you you go to a men's game and it's definitely definitely a home um I sit in the noisy end I can't sit in the I used to sit in the quiet end and um I couldn't shut up so I got used to get stared at and it's like you can't do that this is the silent area and and um so I moved. I'm now in the noisy end and I sing my little heart out every match. Um, when I go away with the men's, I'm singing constantly. Um, so when it comes to the women, um, you kind of have that kind of quiet to begin with, just to see what's going on with the match. But we're quite good at kind of realising when they need us. And that's when we'll probably lift our voices and, and, and get them going. And they comment every match that they hear us. So I think they appreciate it. Definitely, I think they appreciate it. They may not, they may get embarrassed by what we're singing, but they they appreciate it. Because we don't really have singers amongst the uh, the 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 women's regular supporters. Oh right, okay. Maybe it's something we need to develop, but you know, we need we need. Uh, you have also got women's supporters group as well, haven't you? Which is another thing that um, we we desperately need to develop, and the club's really keen on. It's just finding the the people who live locally who have got the time and the um the energy and the resources to to pull that together seems to be the the main issue that we have so we have we've got our twitter site so we've got this um southampton fc women's supporters group on twitter which is at sfc women's supporters group and then we've got all saints pod which you've come across. Uh, we've also yeah. got our Facebook page, which is Southampton FC Women's Supporters Group. And that's where our community really is, because that's where we can, you know, we, we chat to other other supporters. We can promote the fact that we've got the games coming up. We can 
talk about the match that's just cut that's just been and gone we do our player of the match poll on our facebook page yeah we we just kind of we i wouldn't say we get together as a group group that would be great though if we did um we'll try that at some point i'm sure but yeah that's our main focus is probably the the facebook group we've got about 600 supporters in that brilliant it doesn't sound a lot but yeah it's it's growing every week no that's that's great i mean Again, maybe that's something that we we can learn from or as a supporter base. Hopefully, they'll be able to uh, pull together a sports group, uh, especially with the new fan engagement officer. Just wanted to ask you, really, uh, looking forward to Sunday. Um, mm-hmm. I've stopped asking people for predictions because it's not really fair. Um, but <laughs> I've got an alternative question that I use now, which All is, right. What what do you think would be an acceptable result for for Southampton FC women on on Sunday at St Mary's? Ooh, um, mm, right. So my my stock answer <laughs> is whatever I said for Watford, which goes back to twenty fifteen when Saints were playing, and Fraser Forster came back into the side, and I couldn't remember I couldn't remember what I predicted. So my stock answer is whatever I said for Watford. So that's right. my answer to you, whatever I said to Watford, because uh, I have this really bad habit of going, oh, uh, yeah, I'll predict this. And then there's just the reverse happens. So I, I don't do that anymore because every time, literally every time the, the opposite happens. So And I can't. The other thing is I can't reverse it. I can't kind of like go, oh, yeah, no, you're going to win like 2-0 and therefore we'll win 2-0 because it, it just doesn't work like that. So it, it's a case of, yeah, whatever I said for Watford. <laughs> Sorry, you can't drag me on that one. I'm going to say that a score draw for Sunderland would be would be a really good result, given where you are in the league. And after this, we stop playing the series of games against the the, the top sides in the division, who are all full time professional, and we play some part time teams coming up. So if we can come out of this one and gain a point, I think uh, I think I'd be happy. I'm not sure Mel would though, because she likes to go out trying to win every game. <laughs> Who's Mel? Sorry, that sounds really... Mel, Mel Ray, our, our manager. Uh, our long, oh, long-standing right, okay, yeah. manager and former former player who, who's, oh, who's okay. basically been running the show alongside her previous career coaching at uh, Gateshead College, uh, where she also used to coach alongside Jill Scott, you know they had oh, wow. Demi yep. Stokes back in the day, um, and brought through our our crop of young players, including Neve Heron, who got a broken nose on Sunday. We're not sure whether she's going to be back or not. Um, but um, oh my goodness! She, well, it 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 looked worse than a broken nose when she was stretched off with a neck and uh, neck in a neck brace. Um, but thankfully, oh, it, I heard it was you talking about a, that. Just a broken nose and. Um, She's a tough cookie, um, and uh, you know she's very uh, combative, as as they say. So um, I think a broken nose is probably par for the course. Um, and you know she's only nineteen. She's an England under nineteen international, and uh, def- definitely one of the best players that we've produced in many years. But if she's not there, we, we we're really going to be uh, struggling because we certainly were when she was injured earlier on in the season. Okay. But we've got some good footballers. We've got a mix of very experienced players, people like Abby Holmes, who've been around for a long time around this level, both with Sunderland down with Durham, and we've got Grace McCatty, um, obviously used to play for, for Bristol City, he's played Champions League level. We've got Brianna Westrup, who won the Women's Scottish Premier League last season. Yep. Um, with, and with Captain of the Rangers team that did that. So we've got a lot of experience, but we've also got some some very bright, exciting young prospects too. So it should be a really, really fun game of football. And it's on the FA player for Sunderland yes. fans who don't want to make the probably 700-mile round trip or aren't able to. It's on the FA player, so we'll be able to watch it. I know it well. <laughs> I know it well. I went. I went to the um, Newcastle game last year, men's team, obviously, mm-hmm. and I. Oh, I hate going there. It's my third time of being there, and I broke my leg. Oh my um, word! I, I I broke both the bones in my bottom on my right hand lower right leg, 
and uh, had a stay in the RVI for um, eight days before I got um, brought home. Yeah, fun times. <laughs> you never know. Maybe one of our goalkeepers track you because uh, Alison Cowlin is a accident emergency oh, doctor she? in uh, Newcastle. So oh. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if she's at the uh, at the RVI. Maybe you saw her, <laughs> uh, but um, but yeah, um, we we have got a team full of teachers, firefighters, wow. um, E doctors. Um, yeah, so we've got a a, a a lot of players who've got very kind of demanding jobs outside of football as well. So every every point they pick up at this level, especially against teams who are training, you know, yeah. all day every day. And can dedicate their their entire time to the game. We 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 just you know, we celebrate what whatever we pick up at this level. You definitely need some songs then. You definitely need some songs. Yeah, and we'll set our our listeners a challenge to come up with stuff. That would be great. So thanks, Jude, for this conversation because I know we've been trying to get this recorded for the last day or so, and uh, it's been really really lovely to speak to you. Um and really wish you all the best for the rest of the season apart from Sunday. <laughs> good point. Uh, yeah, no, uh, absolutely. Been brilliant for speaking to you. And uh, yeah, good luck for the rest of the season. And again, just not on Sunday. So that was Jude from the All Saints podcast. Really brilliant to have a chat with her. So please do follow along on the FA Player. If you are based in Southern England, maybe you could go down to St Mary's as well. The tickets will still be on sale now. It's a 12pm kickoff. And just before we go, uh, we'd really love it if you would complete our reader and listener survey. It's out now. The link is in the description of this podcast. Whether you're listening on your podcast app or on YouTube, and you'll be able to just look below this podcast and find the link to that. It'll take you five, ten minutes, and it'll give you the chance to share what you think about uh, what we do on Rook Report in relation to some of the FC women and women's football in general, and suggest some ideas, and also give you the opportunity to get involved in what we do, if that's something that you fancy. So thank you for listening and check out all of our pre-match articles on the website and we'll be back for Twitter Spaces early next week. Sarah.